Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag. You know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a term, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Monday. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, <laughs> David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thanks very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Topsy Turvy. Hour of the. Ah! <laughs> there we go. Nope. I love it. Thanks for joining us today here on the World Famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Program. We're going to talk to Mr. Bleeds today. Dan Perkins and IQ Al Razzoli. IQ is trying to get in on the phone. We're having all sorts of fun with IQ today. Maybe I could call him on Skype and he'll pick up. I don't know. Maybe I can do that. I doubt I can. There's IQ. Wow, what a shock. What a surprise. I got you on Skype. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Let me do this. Let me, uh, we're going to try to get everybody else in here. I got to, uh, I got to call Mr. Dan Perkins, the big star, the star, star of stage and screen. And, uh,. <laughs> Let me, uh, we're doing all this on the fly because I was, I was, I was talking to a guest earlier and he, he ran over IQ. He doesn't understand that it's IQ Wednesdays, which means it's you, my friend, not him. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, after last week's shock, nothing will shock me. (laughs) Nothing will shock you. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're going to see if we can get Dan Perkins in here. See if he'll uh, he'll pick up the telephone. There's Dan. Hold the line, Dan. Hold on, my friend. We are going to try to call also our other guest. And uh, IQ, uh, last week was, was, was quite fun. G- give, give me your reaction to that whole thing. Hey, listen. I got an interview because of last week with uh, Martinez. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, honestly. On 1st of July... I have 25 minutes with him. Friend, it's uh, James Lowe with KJAG Radio. How are you? Pretty good, actually. I've got Dan Perkins, and we've got IQ Al Rizzoli, and uh, we are going to take off here. Uh, now, um, IQ, um, last week on this program, you spoke with uh, one of your mentors, 
And uh, you end up getting an, an interview out of that. You're going to be on the Bill Martinez show uh, here very soon. Um, also, their agent is trying to put together, <laughs> I've seen some of the emails, a speaking uh, tour with churches and things where uh, you'd call in on Skype and, and, and various other uh, sources. Unbelievable. Believe me, it's a, a fan, it's a fantastic opportunity. It's it's amazing. We've got IQ Rizzoli joining us today on Skype. We have Dan Perkins, best-selling author, and TheHill.com, as well as many other websites uh, joining us as well. And then we have our special guest today. Uh, he has wrote a great book. It's called basically The New Playbook That Trump Is Using and Why It Is Working. We've got Mr. Blades with us today. And... Uh, Jeff, go ahead and uh, give us some information here because you're a uh, former Goldman Sachs banker turned advisor to senior Wall Street executives and CEOs. You've got this brand new book, The Trump Presidential Playbook, A Wizard's Path to the White House. IQ is a fan of, of Mr. Trump. Dan Perkins is a fan of Mr. Trump. Uh, at the risk of me getting uh, uh, things thrown at me in the studio today, I am a fan of Mr. Trump, so go ahead and um, uh, go ahead. That, that's pretty much what's going on. <laughs> are you a Trump supporter just for the day? No, I'm a Trump supporter, period. I'm a Trump and Bernie supporter. I think they need each other to, to screw with the NWO and all the other crap that's going on in the world. But the, the media and everybody else got Bernie out of the way, so now we, we can only rely on Trump to take down, uh, to take down the establishment. Um, right, the elite. First of all, Mr. Blades, why why has Trump won, and how has his rivals uh, how's he been playing the wrong game? And then I'll let IQ and Dan jump in and ask you some questions. Yeah, that's a great question, and I, I like the way you put it. By the way, if you look at Bernie and Trump, they basically are appealing to the same sort of sentiment, which is tapping into that frustration or yep. anger or quite frankly just the will for change in the same way that Barack Obama did in 2008 and so what's the playbook that I laid out which is stepping back I'm an advisor to leaders and all of my work is about one thing how do you win how do you get what you want and in you know having done this now for 15 years the way the playbook that I lay out for my clients and in my work is very simple. You win through masterful strategy and masterful skill. And the reason I wrote the book on Trump was that was what I saw. I saw him stand up on that stage and demolish 16 highly, you know, highly experienced political operatives. And the book is all about how did he do that? What's the playbook? How did he do that? Now, uh, Dan... Uh, do you, you, you have any yeah, questions, I, and then I'll let IQ jump in after. I do. I'm, I'm just curious. Did you have any conversation with the Trump campaign? No. And he, no, and I would even, you know, even kind of echo what you guys said before, which is I consider myself independent. I'm not, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not anti-Trump. I'm not a Bernie supporter. I've really tried to look at this from an impartial standpoint and say, what did he do? Keep it very simple. What did he do? What led him to win? IQ. Going to write it. Jump, jump in there, and then I'll let Dan ask another question. Do you have any questions okay. for uh, for Mr. Blaze? Yeah, no, I would like to to hear why he thinks he did it. He is, is of course correct. He beat sixteen people, not just any people. As he said, they're all establishment people. 
He beat them because he was telling the American people what the American people want to hear. They want America back. They want a great America. They want jobs. They want the barrier. They want a wall. They don't want Muslims who are not checked. I agree with them 100%. I said it on many interviews because many of the interviews that I have are with Christian groups. And they want a perfect man. I said, forget it. You want to have a perfect leader, you go to Kukulam. <laughs> you will find a perfect leader. But if you want a logical, decent, patriotic leader, leader with all his faults, is Donald Trump. I call Hillary Clinton the whore of Babylon. <laughs> That's in the Bible, by the way, just in case. <laughs> yes, <don't> yes. <laughs> the whore of Babylon. Why? She really is. She's not a prostitute. She's a whore. Why do I say not a prostitute? A prostitute is an excellent business. It's a professional. It's an, what do you call it? I call it a moral one. I don't call it immoral. The, the prostitute does a job. She gives pleasure to somebody. He gives her money. And each one goes home. She doesn't tell him. She loves him. She doesn't lie to him. And it's an excellent job. Why? Because if these men don't have prostitutes, they will be raping women who are married or women who are not willing to have sex with them. Believe it or not, it's true. It's one of the oldest professions in the world. And it used to be, by the way, very highly regarded. Uh, in the Bible, by the way, there is absolutely nothing against prostitution. You won't find a single verse in the whole of the Bible against prostitution. Against somebody who, who is married and has sex with somebody else, yes, they stone her to death. But prostitutes, no. So my question is, why do you think he won? I, I honestly believe I know. He is a patriot. Well, Americans for the last 40, 50 years, they've been indoctrinated by school, by school. Your education system, crap, absolute crap. Why? You can't speak about God. You can't speak about the flag. You can't speak about the Constitution. You can't... Hey, I am an American. I have every right to speak on all of these subjects. And I am an American. I have the right to bear arms. And if somebody wants to take it from me, believe me, I'll put two bullets in his head. Back to you, sir. Now, Jeff, uh, why, why, why do you think uh, uh, Trump won? And, and how have been their... Because his, his rivals, they, they've been playing just a, a horrible, horrible game against him. Well, you know, I want to I kind of step away from uh, some of those thoughts, which is, you know, I, I, I think what... I, I have a notion that I call the Trump trap. And the Trump trap is falling into the trap of paying attention to specifically what he said and missing what he's done. And I'll give you an example of that. The perfect example is when he issued a press release and then he stood at a press conference and he suggested placing a temporary ban on Muslims entering the country. And the point that I make, and this is really the notion, the specific answer to your question, how did he win? It's skillfulness. In doing that, what did he do? He drew to himself an enormous amount of attention. And so what is, what is Donald excellent at? Donald is excellent at grabbing the spotlight, grabbing attention, and then most importantly, directing that to his messaging. So if you come back to how did he win and how were the others playing a horrible game, I could just give you one very simple idea that I'm sure all you guys will agree with. 
which is none of them had a slogan. And I know that sounds really, really basic, but that's politics 101. What's your vision? What's your slogan? If you go back to Obama in 08, yes, we can hope and change. And what Donald was masterful at was not just designing two great slogans, we don't win anymore, which is really what grabbed people with the problem, right? A lot of people are feeling that they don't win anymore. And they hear that from Donald, they feel like he really gets them. And then the second part is he then moves them to make America great again. And the point that I'm making in the book, and I really do step away from all my opinions on it, which is the point I'm making is this is a game of skill. And if you want to win, get better than everyone else. Dan, so your, your thoughts on let this. Let me ask you. Now, well, let's, let's, uh, I have not read your book. I, I will look for it. But let me, let me ask you, to, to me, what's a more important question than how he won against his 16 competitors. Is he going to beat Hillary? Dan, if you have a crystal ball, I'd be happy to borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, but I, based I keep on getting, your instincts... I, I keep getting asked that question instinct. in TV and radio, and my answer is very simple, which is, if you said to me, will Muhammad Ali meet, uh, you know, beat George Foreman, for instance, right? My answer is, who shows up? Who shows up for that fight? You know, Muhammad Ali, at his, at his best, will win that fight. Donald Trump, at his best, ha absolutely can do what he did to Hillary, what he did to the GOP. But Donald Trump, at his worst, is like holding a hand grenade. And that's where his real risk is. So will he win? Can he win? Absolutely he can. Will he win? It all depends. If you come back to my playbook, does he have the right strategy? Does he have the He certainly has the skillfulness, but is he using it right? And there's also a very big difference between the strategy you need in the primaries and the strategy you need in the general election because the, the objectives are different. Right, in the primaries, he needed to steal attention from 16 candidates, distinguish himself, and then beat them on the debate stage. He doesn't stand up on a debate stage with Hillary until September 26. So he's got a number of months here where the game is either going to be won or lost based on the way he campaigns. But if he stand, I, I, I've, I've done some interviews, and I, I say that the biggest night in the history of television will be the first debate between Hillary and Donald Trump. More people will watch that show than have watched anything in the entire history of television in the, in the, in the world. Absolutely. But I, I, but I understand what you're saying is that there's, there's a different strategy in the general election because you're dealing with one opponent. But his fundamental strategy of how he won the, 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 the primaries of attacking his people, attacking his opponent, and telling and getting the spotlight and focused on him to tell his story. Why will that strategy not work in the general election against Hillary? It absolutely will if he runs it, because I think all of us can look back over the last month and see that he drifted. He drifted into certain topics like the judge topic, where he you know used a lot of airtime on a topic that didn't further his agenda. And if you go back to what really worked in the primaries, it's true that he was able to beat down his opponents with very, very sophisticated tools of influence, what are called anchoring, you know, anchoring Jeb Bush as low energy, anchoring Ted Cruz as Lion Ted, and he's doing the same with Hillary, crooked Hillary. 
yet the, the key thrust of how he really beat them was optimism. He beat them with this optimistic message that's akin to, yes, we can. You know, this message of make America great again. And he needs to come back to that message. And, Dan, I think that, you know, the key part to this as well is the ground game. You know, look, we all know this. When it comes to a general election, you know, it's do you have people standing at the booths? Do you have people knocking on doors? Does he have all the right infrastructure in place to run your general election? And he needs to move quickly to catch up. Well, it's the uh, most recent report is that I saw that he had 70 people on his staff. Hillary has 700. Right. That's right. Just, just in staff. Just in staff. But... Um, so let me let me stay on on subject, but change it just a little bit. Um, the gentleman who he is normally with me on on Jim's show, Don Mazzella, is an old time reporter, a newspaper guy who's who's wired. He told me last night on our show that he thinks there's going to be a request, an announcement for a request for a grand jury on Friday. Mm. Against against Hillary. So if if Hillary is not if Hillary is not the nominee, and it's somebody else, Uncle Joe or Bernie Sanders, uh, does that change the dynamics of the opportunity for Trump to win? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that what you really you know where where I think that Trump has the highest probability of winning is when he comes back to that message that's so infectious and it's that message that Bernie's supporters responded to and his supporters responded to which is we do not win anymore and to keep pounding away on the problems and to keep moving towards a new solution and you know I'm sure you guys watched his speech last Wednesday that was classic Trump playbook he came back to it and he beat up Hillary in you know in nuanced ways but what he kept coming back to was the idea of this America that we live in today is a shadow of what we can be. Let's make America great again. And I think as long as he can position, he can certainly position that against Joe. And Bernie, it's a different topic, right? That's a question, ultimately, right? That's a different question of, you know, unfort as unfortunate as it is to say, socialism versus capitalism. Now, IQ, uh, sitting here listening to all this, what, what do you have uh to contribute here, I agree with you. I, I sorry, I agree with you. There's a hold on the volume. I, <laughs> I agree with, with with what was said that he should go back to what he was talking about. And by the way, the speech he made was outstanding. I honestly, I, I think he used a teleprompter for the first time. Anybody agrees or disagrees? No, he, he had used a teleprompter before. But, he, but the speech was outstanding. I, I, listened, I read it all. After I listened to it, I, listened, I read it. He had maybe 30, 40 points against uh, Hillary Clinton. Each one of them was deadly. You know, in, from my point of view as an outsider looking in, it is incredible that anybody with two brain cells of logic would elect a woman called Hillary Clinton. I ask the simple question. Can anybody name three items that Hillary Clinton did which was good for America? Three. Somebody said, well, why not one? Well, I'm being decent. 
Can can you name three items? Can anybody name three items? For God's sake. No. And if you can't name three items, why elect them? I don't get it. Back because, to you. Like you. Because it's time for a woman to be president, and she's the woman. She's. You know the what? <laughs> I'm not saying it's time for a woman president. I'm just telling you that that's her message. Isn't it well, time for a woman to be president? And I'm that woman. Well, she's not that woman. I would rather have somebody from the street, a whore from the street, a prostitute from the street. Why should I have her? She's ugly. She hasn't done anything. She's not succeeded in anything except making money. Why should I have her? I can have any other woman. There are many women in, in politics at the moment who are infinitely superior to her. Infinitely. So just because she's a woman, that doesn't give her the right to be elected. And just because she's a woman... She's a, she's a, sorry, go on. She's a woman. IQ, she's a woman named Clinton. In England, they say, so bloody what? I mean, so bloody what? <laughs> because, I mean, because she feels like she is owed the presidency. They yeah, yeah, that's... With her, with her correct, that's her, correct, but that's her perception. I'm not interested in her perception. I could say I am the son of God. That's my perception. But are, am I? The question is she? She's not special. There's nothing special about her. Everything she touched, everything she touched while she was Secretary of State, she destroyed. ISIS is the result of the destruction of Gaddafi. And she did it. And she was the one who gloated. We came, we saw, he died. I never forget that. Because at that moment, I said, this was the biggest mistake America, England, and France ever did. By the way, when I say these things, you will find them on my radio interviews. They're on the record. Yeah. She I, failed. I want to go back to our guest. Um, have you written other, other playbook books? The first book that I wrote was How to Win on Wall Street, and it was a similar theme, which is step back. You know, no matter where you are in your career, you know, we could all apply this to ourselves on the phone too. No matter where you are in your business or your career, how do you build a winning approach? And really, that is my focus with Donald. And, and you know, I would argue every day of the week, by the way, that Hillary does have a lot that makes her a great candidate. And that's what makes it hard for Donald. And I think what you're faced with here is a question of change, which is you've got, you know, whether people like her or not, you know, Hillary represents a certain level of stability. Again, some people don't want stability. They want change. Whereas Donald represents something that's more like radical change. And my, you know, my previous book and this book is all about that, which says, all right, so what are you... What is that path that you're laying out and how do you get there? And what both of them need to do is to be able to demonstrate to Americans, to voters, that their vision, their path is something that they can achieve. That's the real challenge for Donald, right? Ja Donald's challenge is how does he move beyond the rhetoric to convince people, one, that his type of change is the right type of change, and two, that he can actually get it done. And what does he need to do to accomplish that? comes back to messaging, right? It comes back to messaging, which is in every, you know, if you go back to the playbook, right? If I come back to where he started, 
he had some very clearly defined message what i refer to in the book as messaging stacks at the top of that messaging there were two ideas one is we don't win anymore two is make america great again beneath that there's a series of ideas as well what i just refer to as the secondary messaging the secondary messaging is you can't win if you don't have a border you can't win if china's taking all of our jobs and what i would suggest is donald's key branch is to take what he did last week last wednesday and keep expanding on that idea which says okay so these are the key messaging stacks how do you keep driving those messages filling in enough details so that people believe that he has the credibility and the skills to get it done but while at the same time still sticking with the narrative remember one of the things that i've been talking a lot to politicians about is that you don't win elections talking about policy you win elections by selling a vision and that's what donald has done so well to begin with and his next phase is to keep solidifying his vision and at the same time really truly getting people to believe that he can implement it we've got uh, some great guests with us today we've got dan perkins from the hill.com our wednesday regular iq al rizzoli and jeff blades former goldman sachs banker turned advisor to senior white Wall Street executives, CEOs, and he's also the author of the great book, The Trump Presidential Playbook, A Wizard's Path to the White House. Now, Jeff, um, how is this election really going to come down to being uh, a game influence? I think that the entire, I, you know, one, uh, there are two presuppositions in the book. One is that Donald wins because he's masterful at winning, right? People who are excellent at winning are able to develop winning strategy and winning skills, Yet the second real key idea in the book is really the entire book, which is an election is not about politics. It's not about being a politician. The job of being a politician is very different to the job of being a political candidate. And there's only one thing that matters in an election. Can you get someone to vote for you? And that's influence. Can you grab someone where they are and move them to action? That's influence. By any other name, it's influence, it's motivation, it's leading. And so if you say, I mean, if you ask me, the entire game is influence. There's nothing beyond influence as it relates to an election. IQ, do you have, uh, you have anything for Mr. Blades? I, disagree. I agree with him entirely. He's absolutely right. You have to have the message. Obama won by default. Yes, we can, and we want change. Change. He didn't tell them what the change was. He knew he was going to shortchange America, but the Americans didn't know that. So, the gentleman is right. Trump has to concentrate on the message and elaborate upon it. He has literally a winning hand. I cannot believe, you know, it is impossible to conceive that we can have another four years of Obama, but called Hillary Clinton. It's the same garbage. The same garbage, literally. Um, and it's a disaster. Donald Trump will be able to talk to Putin. He will be able to talk to the Chinese. He will be able to talk to all of them, by the way. He's not dismissing anybody. But our relationship, what I may say, our, because an American, as if I were an American, the relationship between America and Russia is terrible. And it shouldn't be terrible. Russia, America, China, and Japan and India should concentrate on Islam. Why do I say Islam? 
because the greatest threat to humanity in the 21st century is fundamentalist Mohammedan Islam with or without weapons of mass destruction. 9-11 proved that. It's simple. When he said we should limit immigrants from Islamic countries, everybody was dumping on him. Why? He was telling the truth. If I were a president, I wouldn't allow a single Muslim coming into America without verification. Not one. Is that racism? No. Islam is not a race. Islam is a political, theological movement. Mostly more political than theological. They have no God. They call it Allah. Allah is not God. I have over a one and a half million dollars worth of challenges to prove me wrong. Allah is not the same as the God of Jesus, Moses, and Abraham. So Islam is finished as a religion. It's a cult belief system. Since it's a cult belief system, they're not entitled to religious uh, uh, privileges. None. Every mosque is an incubator for jihad. Every single mosque anywhere on planet Earth. Every single madrasa, which is the religious schools of Islam, is an incubator for future death and destruction. Is care listening? Care, C-A-I-R, Council American Islamic Relations? Sue me. <laughs> We've got IQL Rizzoli with us today. He's quite fired up. We also have Dan Perkins. He's the co-founder of Songs and Stories for Soldiers. Perkins is also a domestic and foreign policy contributor to ReaganBaby.com, DailySurge.com, and TheHill.com. Now, now, Dan, you and IQ and I talk about uh, Islam all the time on this program. And uh, right. Jeff, um, Perkins, uh, I, I, I know... Uh, Dan's going to lay out uh, some expert questions here with the whole Islam uh, cons- you know, following up there to Trump. So I'm going to let you do your thing. Uh, Jeff Blades with us today here in our broadcast. Dan, you have the floor, my friend. Okay, I, I want to just follow up his, his last comment, then I'll go to the Islam. Yeah. Um, one of the things, uh, at 70-plus years of age, I have been around a number of presidential elections. I have never seen in either party the the attack of the leadership of the party, Mitt Romney, who lost terribly to Barack Obama, and other people who are refusing to support our campaign. Isn't that going to have a significant impact on his ability to win in November if some of these major, quote, leaders are not even supporting him and not campaigning for him or are contributing money? Isn't that going to be a problem? Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. I, I think it is a problem, and I think that part of that is is for the Republican Party to huddle and you know and you know and really look at themselves in the mirror and say, well, what you know, what do we stand for and what matters to us? And you know, I think that most people would be shocked on both sides of the house if you know whether it be Bernie or Hillary, if the Democrats didn't support their nominee and. You've got a lot of Republicans who aren't supporting the nominee, and you might as well just hand the race to the other side. Yet I would also say, look, that is their privilege and that is their right. And I believe that it really comes down to Trump's ability to bring them all together. And look, the challenge in all this, right, the challenge in all this, we all know this, is that to appeal to voters in the primaries is often different to the way you have to appeal to them in the general. And the challenge for Trump is that Trump stood on a lot of toes in order to really eviscerate his competition in the primaries. 
But I agree with your sentiment, Dan. Mm -hmm. I think it's a real challenge for him. But I think, I think, in addition to that, there's a couple of things that give me great hope. First of all, the Christian Coalition sat on, sat out the election in 2012. They didn't vote. And I think he's got, I think he's got them. He had a wonderful conference last week with over a thousand Christian leaders, uh, resounding support. I also think he's picking up Democrats and independents who also didn't vote for Romney, um, who may swing the vote towards him as opposed to uh, not voting for Romney. Uh, the Christian coalition alone, had they voted, could have swung the election towards uh, easily towards Mr. Romney, given the closeness of the vote. So I think he's doing certain things that is helping uh, keeping the uh, the, uh, uh, the the radical Republicans who are um, not supporting him. He's he's finding support in other areas. Let me go back to uh, a question. I'll go back to one of my favorite subjects, and and I want to bring IQ on on this. There there is a there is a story circulating IQ in the American media. <clears throat> and it's, it's the source of the story is our current Secretary of State, John Kerry, who, who, who is quoted saying that the attack on the airport in Turkey yesterday was a result of the fact that ISIS is losing their strongholds in, Israel, in, uh, in Syria and Iraq, and they're striking out and these are attacks of desperation. Uh, he's he's trying to convince the American people that we have got ISIS under control. What do you say? He's bullcrapping. He's a buffoon. He's a jerk. He was always a jerk. He never did anything right. ISIS has expanded. They are not the JV group that Obama said they were. They have expanded. North Africa is completely now endangered by ISIS. Of course there are desperations. But I'll tell you what, there will be desperations in Europe. There will be acts of desperation in America. And what will Kerry say also? They are running away. They're not running. Every single Muslim is a potential ISIS. It sounds outrageous. I know. But I never deal with outrageous things. I deal with facts and reality. Each one of these guys, the three of them, they blew themselves up. Why did they blow themselves up? They didn't blow themselves up for Allah. They didn't do it for Muhammad. They didn't do it for Islam. They did it for the 72 virgins. You can laugh, but the joke is on the people who are laughing. These people truly believe they have been indoctrinated that when they die, killing infidels and other Muslims who are not completely Muslim, they go to Muhammad's whorehouse version of paradise with the 72 virgins. None of them dies for Islam. Not one. Why do I say that? In Pakistan and in Israel, when they captured would-be terrorists, would-be suicide bombers, they, are, they had metal tins covering their penises. They asked them, why do you do that? They said because they wanted to have it safe when they get to the heaven, to their paradise. You can laugh. Those idiots 
cannot conceive that they are going to be into a million pieces when they blow up. What they're worried about is their penis. It's not a joke. The joke is on us and people like Kerry, the idiots who keep telling the American people, Islam means peace. Islam doesn't mean peace. I speak Arabic. Islam is rooted in the verb aslama. It means submission. Submission to whom? To a God. Which God? Allah. What Allah is? Allah is Muhammad. Muhammad authored the Quran. Nobody revealed anything to Muhammad. Can I prove it? Good God. It's on my website. It's in my books. And I have challenges to every human being to prove me wrong. Twelve years later, none. Back to you. Damn. So, um, do, do you think that the do you think that the fact that some of the cities that uh, ISIL has held in Syria and Iraq for such a long time, Fallujah and Tikrit, that are being captured by the army, is that a sign of that of their diminishing strength, at least from a military standpoint? Yes, in, in, in certain areas in Iraq and Syria, there's definitely they're being defeated. But listen to this. The Air Force of America, since 2014, we are now 2016. How is it possible that America in three years, three and a half years, was able to destroy the Imperial Japan, the, arm, the Imperial Army of Japan, and the Nazi German war machine, and yet they can't destroy ISIS. Listen, it's unbelievable. At night, I remember in the war of Iraq, at night the Americans realized that with their goggles, they can see the heat emanating from the tanks on the floor, ground. Why? Because the metal cools lower, at a lesser rate than the sand. They could destroy every single tank at night. And you mean to tell me, in the desert of Iraq, and Iraq is desert mostly, they can't see by satellite, they can't see by from space or even drones, the hundreds and hundreds of vehicles of the Islamic State walk, going on the streets? It's impossible. It's impossible. There is something going on. America supplies guns to ISIS. Through whom? Through the surrogates. They just, the latest report was the latest amount or shipment of armaments did not arrive to the right people in Iraq and in Syria. It fell into the wrong people or the hands of the wrong people. What are we doing? A comedy here? Who's running the show? Obama. But Obama told the armed forces and the intelligence service and the home and Homeland Security, never to associate Islam with terror. How can you win a war when you cannot identify your enemy? Impossible. It cannot be done. It should have been destroyed. ISIS should have been destroyed a long time ago. In fact, ISIS should not have existed. As I said, Hillary Clinton, especially Hillary Clinton, she was the one who instigated the war against Gaddafi uh, under the guise that he's killing his people. So what? Every Muslim country, they kill their own people. That's not uh, nobody's problem. That's not America's issue. All of a sudden, they killed everybody. How come America did not interfere in Somalia? Why didn't America interfere in the Sudan when they were killing 
millions of people, and I'm talking about millions of black Muslims and black Christians. Millions. Nobody intervened. Do you know why? They had no oil. That's why. So where are, where are we? We create a monster, and then we try to destroy the same monster. America, under Hillary Clinton, and I repeat, Hillary Clinton, created the Einstein, the Frankenstein called ISIS. Can anybody prove me wrong? Please try, for God's sake. I would like somebody to prove me wrong. It's not arrogance, it's facts. We destroyed Saddam Hussein and removed the armed force, uh, took the American army out under Obama. Everything that Obama and Hillary Clinton touched with Islam, we lost. In Somalia, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Iraq, in Syria, in the Yemen, you name it, it's a loss. Over $4 trillion it cost American taxpayers. And I'm not counting the number of dead, tens of thousands dead and wounded. What for? Why would America lose tens of thousands of American good life, young men and women, to help whom? Muslims, why? Let them kill each other. Let them kill each other. They want us dead. They want us destroyed unless we change to Islam. For 1,400 years, starting with Muhammad, in the year 623 AD, in Medina, he declared war against humanity. Chapter 9, verse 5. Read it. It's in the Quran. Now, um, now, now, Mr. Blades, um, what, what, with with all this today um, that we've been discussing, how do you think that uh, that Mr. Trump will go in there and uh, and and address some of these problems that IQ and Dan have, have both brought up today? Do you mean as president or as it relates to the election? As uh, both. If, if need be. I think, look, I think that you guys are on to, you know, the important topics of today. And we haven't defined, we haven't properly defined the enemy. I spoke to, um, you know, a prominent military person this morning who pointed me to an article. There was an interesting article that pointed out the strategies that were adopted in Turkey. And these attack strategies weren't some you know, stupid, uneducated people blowing themselves up. I mean, this was a, you know, this was an orchestrated attack. And so are they, you know, are they on the run? Are they getting stronger? Are they getting weaker? I don't think any of us know, but we do know one thing, which is the message from Donald Trump is very, very simple. We need to protect our borders. We need to protect ourselves. And perhaps differently to you, IQ, my view of the world is that we started this back in 2001, 2002. And if you said to me, what are Americans really focused on? I think what they're focused on is they're saying, hey, what are we doing at home? Where are we putting our money at home? And if we've spent four or five trillion dollars in the Middle East and only have created more of a mess of it, what could we have done with that money domestically? And I think that's what you're hearing from Donald. You heard it from Bernie as well, which is what are we doing at home that makes our lives better? And I think what you're going to see is, a, you know, the challenge for Donald in the, in the election is how does he distinguish what he would have done relative to what the previous administrations have done? 
And ultimately, even, you know, if you go back to 08, Barack Obama campaigned on the idea of extracting us from the wars. But where do we find ourselves eight years later? And the key that I like to come back to, because I think it was what really matters to voters and what really matters to people in America, is we aren't winning anymore. We're not winning in the economy. We're not winning in jobs. Look at our debt-laden economy that, that, you know, wages have been stagnant for 15 years. And my view of the world is that if Trump comes back to his narrative, you know, if you go back to what he said early, what did he say early? I'm about jobs, I'm about the economy, and I'm about strengthening the military. And the more he keeps it focused on those key points of messaging, the more he brings people along. We've got the fabulous IQ Al Rizzoli. We've also got Jeff Blades with us today and Dan Perkins. Dan, any any uh, any thoughts here based upon what, what Jeff's been saying? Yeah, I, I'm curious with Jeff, uh, if I could switch horses a little bit from his Wall Street career. Uh, Jeff, I'm a, I'm a registered investment advisor. I've been managing money for 43 years. I'm curious about what you think the, the implications are for the vote last week in Britain. Of, not, of withdrawing from the EU. Dan, if I had that crystal ball, my friend, we would all be, you know, we'd all have better insight. And look, I mean, I'm just going to tell you my personal opinion and from talking to a lot of people on Wall Street in the last week, and that opinion is that it's <laughs> making a mountain out of a molehill. You know, we saw what the markets did today, right? And, mm-hmm. and yesterday. Know, and yesterday. And, you know, the key phrase on Wall Street is that, you know, Wall Street, the markets hate uncertainty. They do hate uncertainty. Yet, you know, a lot of people on Wall Street are saying the same thing, which is, yeah, it is a shock to the system. None of us know how it's going to play out. But what you do know is one thing. People are still going to trade. People are still going to do business. We don't know what's going to happen to the euro. We don't know what's going to happen to the European bloc. But if you look at the past, if you look at the changes that have happened in the last five to ten years, even though we're faced with more uncertainty in the future, I don't think that anyone feels good about what's happened in countries like Greece, Spain, Italy, let alone half of Eastern, uh, half of Europe. And so I think that what are people on Wall Street telling me? It's a mixed bag. But people were scared last week that we were headed into... I was a distressed debt investor, Dan, at the Carlyle Group, you know, when the, when the credit bubble burst in 2008. And people were terrified, as you guys would all remember, people were terrified we were going to lose the entire financial system. And I can tell you, I was down, you know, with a big bank on Friday, another one on Monday, and people were terrified that we were going to slide back into that sort of change in sentiment. But sitting here later in the week, there's no longer necessarily that fear, but there's still a great amount of uncertainty, which is what does this all mean? Nobody knows. What do you think, Dandy? Been in the I, business a long time. Yeah, I, 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 um, I wish I could take credit for this, but I can't. Uh, I did an interview with a guy uh, uh, yesterday, two days ago, on Jim's show, and he's uh, uh, a very smart gentleman. And he, he said he reminded people that the London Bridge will still be there. So will Big Ben will will shine the time. And uh, the British people go on with the rest of their lives. Uh, so it's, it, and the sun will come out tomorrow. It always does. And so I, I, I have been through in 40-some years, I've been through some pretty nasty crises from the financial standpoint. And I will tell you, 2008, I was the most concerned I've been in, in, the, in the 40-some years that I've, I've been in this business because I, I didn't really think that uh, 
the way the Congress was acting on that September afternoon, that the world was going to come to an end financially. But I, I, I think that it, it's, it's, it was amazing to listen to the rhetoric uh, and the discussion. Uh, I listened to the BBC last Thursday, and I listened to what people were saying, and they're saying exactly the same things that are being said in the United States, primarily by Mr. Trump. But they, they, they want a job. They want a decent wage. They want an opportunity to take care of their family. They want to grow. They want to put some money in the bank for savings. They want to be safe and secure, and uh, they want to keep their country. And the way the EU was taking people, that wasn't going to be able to happen because the central government in Brussels was dictating the, dictated the changes in almost 60% of the British law, and they were beginning, as other European countries who are members of the EU, are beginning to lose their, their, their culture. And part of that is the function of the mass immigration from the Middle East uh, that's being distributed by assignment out of Brussels to the 29 members of the EU and and no assimilation requirement for those people. So I think that, that there are things. I, I do think, however, that, that Europe is further down the path of, of the impact of political correctness and how it has affected their own internal security and what they're doing in terms of this mass immigration than we are. But we're catching up very quickly. And if we get Mrs. Clinton as the president, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass, we will pass Europe very quickly. I, I, I think it is, a, it is an opportunity. It's a window. There were a lot of posters in, uh, in England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales of people who were supporting the leaving the European Union. And the poster was basically pretty simple. It said, June the 24th, Independence Day. June the 24th is our way to be independent, to maintain our nation and our identity. And I think that we have, on November the 8th, an opportunity for America to have a new Independence Day, to get rid of the Clintons, get rid of their power, and, to, as Trump says, take back the country and make it great again. Uh, I, I just am concerned that uh, what will happen to this country if we don't get Mr. Trump. And uh, that's, that does scare me more than anything else, that four more years of an Obama-type administration would be devastating for this country. And uh, the Supreme Court will have uh, probably three, if not four, judges to be replaced in the first term of the new president. And if she's there, it's going to change. It's going to be a left-leaning court for after I'm dead. And it's going to change this country. And and we, we have a constitution, and I think it's just a matter of we, we need to go back to our basic fundamentals that got us to where we are, and we're not, we haven't done that for a long time. And uh, the political correctness has to go. We have to get rid of it. And uh, we, we cannot let people into our country who, who want to harm us. And um, no matter how much it may offend somebody, that's just life. And I, and I think it's a part of the things that the the Brits were experiencing was the influx and the influence of that. I mean, that when the, the new Lord Mayor of London was elected, who was a Muslim, I saw the photograph the day he, he won, and standing next to him was a woman who had a sign that said, Sharia is coming to the UK. Uh, and, and they've got something, already got something like 80-some courts in Sharia in, in England. 
Um, and and we, 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 we just can't, either we have a constitution or we don't have a constitution. But we don't have two sets of governing law in this country. And if we let people in who are trying to change that governing law, then they can't stay. They have to go. And, and we're going to make some very, very hard decisions. And I suspect that if Mr. Trump is, gets elected, or even if Mrs. Clinton is elected, either one, we're going to experience another recession in 2017 um, because we just don't have the, we don't have the, the, the downside protection anymore. It's, it's all gone. And so any downturn in this economy is going to be devastating again. And, um, and I think it's going to hurt a lot of people. Um, but if we have hope, I tell people, if you look at, if you look at, if you understand politics and you, maybe your book addresses this, but if you understand presidential politics, I, I believe from the very beginning that one person can make a difference in this nation. I believe John Kennedy made a, a, a change in this nation. I believe that, that Ronald Reagan turned, turned the country around from its depression of Jimmy Carter. It's high inflation, high interest rates, high taxes, and a, a negative feeling about ourselves as a nation. And I think Barack Obama came in, as you said earlier, he came in on the concept of hope and change. And uh, we didn't get the hope, and he took all the change. Um, but I do believe that one person, is, is at least still in the United States, one person can have an impact on the morale and the direction of the American people. And I think that more so with, with Mr. Trump, we have a person who has the desire to lead and has the energy and the enthusiasm and the patriotism. He's proud of America. I don't think Hillary is proud of America. enough of my high horse, Jim. <laughs> well, uh, before we let everybody go, Jeff, how do we get a hold of you online, pick up the book, all that? Best place to find me, Jim, is trumpplaybook.com, and that takes you straight to my website. And I really, yeah, I really love some of those things you just said, and I think you're right on, which is make it about jobs, make it about the economy, make it about loving America and making America great. And IQ, how do how do we get a hold of you, my friend? I know that you you hate plugging your books, but I'm going to make you do it. <laughs> oh yeah. All you have to do. All you have to do is Google my name, Al Rasuli, A L R A S S O O L I. And if you're interested in the books, it's in Amazon called "Lifting the Veil: The True Faces of Muhammad and Islam." And I wish you good luck. And uh, Dan, uh, plug the charity and everything what? else, my friend. The, the charity is Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us, the website. And, and I, I, I forgot to tell you, Jim, at the beginning of the show, and IQ, when you meet Mr., uh, the gentleman that you're going to go on the, talk to about your tour, you were talking about this morning, this, earlier this today? Yes. Okay. Well, he's, he and I are friends. I'm on his show on a regular basis. And today he became an ambassador for, Bill Martinez became an ambassador today for Songs and Stories for Soldiers. Fantastic. And he's going to get a, a supply, supply of our MP3 players, and as he travels around the country, he finds somebody in need, he's going to help them. So we're thrilled with that. So that's Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us. The books are available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. 
and the web website for me is danperkins.guru. And I don't know what I told you, Jim, but book four, the sequel, is in edit and should be out this fall. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you, gentlemen. It's been a uh, it's been an honor and a privilege today to talk to everybody. Thanks to IQ. Thanks to Dan. And thank thanks you, you all. Thank you all. Definitely. Well, thank you, IQ. I appreciate it, my friend. And uh, thanks to Mr. Blades. And uh, thanks to you, Dan. And uh, appreciate it, gentlemen. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. We're going to take a time out and come back with more coming up. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.